Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. All right, God bless you and welcome into the study today, the Lord's Day. That's what we're going to be talking about. And man, this is an exciting subject. This, To me, this is a very important subject because it's not covered a whole lot, but it is one that definitely needs to be known. And what is the Lord's Day? A lot of times in Isaiah or Ezekiel, Jeremiah, you'll hear, and the day of the Lord or the Lord's Day or in that day. So what is that? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8 tells us that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. Now here in just a minute, we're going to get into Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. That's where we're going to pick this up. But I do want to mention, this is kind of a continuation to a previous study that we've done, and I believe the name of it was Those Who've Passed Away, or Where Are Those Who've Passed Away? And so there are going to be references back and forth with that, and that one really kind of covered those references more in depth. So just as a refresher, or maybe you know you need to go back and listen to that one to understand that we have two bodies. We have a spiritual body and a flesh body. In the millennium, we will be in our spiritual bodies. And that's one of the, one of the things that is really covered in depth in that other study, that we're not going to go in so much depth on today so that we can cover more ground on the millennium itself. So, with that being said, Revelation chapter 20, we ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. In verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. There we have it. A thousand years, the Lord's day, that millennium. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Now, why would he not go ahead and destroy Satan? That's what many people believe, that at the seventh trump, boom, Goodness is back, and all evil is destroyed, but it's not. He's bound. And the seal that's set upon him, what this does is today, right now, in this era of time, Satan's spirit is here. He's not here uh, in person, I guess you could say, but his spirit is here with us. What this seal does is completely locks everything, mind, body, spirit, soul, everything in this bottomless pit where he had zero influence in the millennium. Verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. What is this mark? You might remember from a previous study that this mark is the deception. It's believing that Satan is Christ. And that mark in your forehead means you believe that. You believed 
upon him as being Christ, which is where the apostates come from, the automatic, just an about face from Christianity to Satan worship. And the mark in the hand is that they were not only, they didn't only believe the deception, but they were also helping to work. They were out there passing the pamphlets out. And, oh, look how great he is. This is Christ. Christ has come back. And it was not Christ. So those who did not receive the deception, those who, who, whose minds were kept clean and continued to worship the true Christ, they live and reign with Christ a thousand years. Verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Now, see, that might confuse many because there were some that overcame and they received their eternal life right then. They received that blessing, their salvation. Now, there were others who did not receive eternal life, but through this millennium, they are spiritually dead, but they are not cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. They are not blotted out. Verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. What that means is that they receive this first resurrection. So the second death, you have the death of the flesh and you have the death of the spirit. The second death, they receive their eternal life. So they don't have to worry about that. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, that means east to west, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So he's let loose again after the millennium. Well, What's it like in the millennium? Now, we touched on this scripture in the study before, but let's go to Luke chapter 16 right quick because there's an important thing in here that we need to know. Luke chapter 16, we're going to pick it up in verse 19. Now, this is Lazarus and the rich man. Actually, let's pick it up in... Verse 22, Luke 16, verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels unto Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. Now this Abraham's bosom, this is paradise, okay? And this is important because we're gonna, in the millennium, this is where we'll be, we'll be in paradise, this millennial kingdom. And in hell, or this, this is in the grave, this is Hades in the Greek, it's the grave, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Now, this torments is basanos, means in his testing or his touchstone. You remember Satan's locked up, but he's coming back to test? Okay, so that's in, in knowing that he didn't make the first resurrection, he's over here. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Verse 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tongue of his finger in water and cool my tongue. That water, what is water? Living water, that Christ. Allow me to receive the gift of Christ that it might cool me out of this shame, this embarrassment of not being on the proper side, of not having received this first resurrection. For I am tormented. Now this tormented is he is grieved or he is sorrowed. 
in this flame. He is completely shamed that although he was rich in the world, spiritually, he had nothing. So he's, he is still waiting to see if, at this point, the second resurrection will take place after the millennium or if it's second death. Verse 25, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. 26, this is what I wanted to get to. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. Now this gulf is a chasm. Okay, now Luke was a medical doctor and this chasm, it means a deep cut or a crevice in the earth that's impassable. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Okay. So what you've got is you've got the bosom of Abraham, which is the good side of paradise. This is that first resurrection. You might say, well, if this isn't heaven and the white throne judgment hasn't happened yet, then how is there good on one side and bad on the other? It's the book of life. If your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then you receive that first resurrection. If you don't fall for the Antichrist, if you keep your eyes on Christ and accept that, that salvation, then you, your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. All right, now we're going to turn to Ezekiel chapter 44. Ezekiel has more about the millennium than any other book in the Bible. And you might say, well, that's Old Testament. Why, yes, it is. And you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Ezekiel chapter 40 all the way to the end is all about the millennium. The first four chapters pretty well cover the size of the temple and the size of the palace. Verse 44, we get into ordinances and how it's going to be and what's going to be happening. So chapter 44, we're going to pick it up in verse 15. But the priest, the Levites, the son of Zadok. Now, what is Zadok? Zadok, you might remember in Genesis that there was Melchizedek. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Now, Zadok is a form of that same Zadok, and it is righteousness. So the sons of righteousness the sons of Christ, those who, who believed upon him unto the end, that kept the charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, whenever that one, that evil one, that Satan, as Antichrist, showed up and misled the entire world, they kept the charge of God's sanctuary. They stayed true. They didn't go into idol worship. They shall come near to me to minister unto me, and they shall stand before me to offer unto me the fat and the blood, saith the Lord God. Now, Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, God tells us he does not want our offerings. He don't want our burnt sacrifice. He wants our love. So what these priests are going to be doing, those, who, those overcomers during this millennial kingdom, are going to be offering their love, giving their love freely to God as their sacrifice. And that's not much of a sacrifice now, is it? just to tell God, Father, I love you. You know how that, that, you know, that just makes his day to say, Father, you know, I just love you so much. I, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for, for giving us this word that we can know what's going to happen so that we can be comforted and not be scared 
You know, humans have the tendency to fear the unknown. But God gave us the book. God gave us this word that tells us everything that's going to happen. Verse 16. They shall enter into my sanctuary, and they shall come near to my table to minister unto me, and they shall keep my charge. And it shall come to pass that when they enter in the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments. Now, what are these linen garments? Revelation chapter 19, verse 8 tells us that you the, that the linen garments or the robes that we wear are made up of the righteousness of the saints. Hopefully we all have good, long, flowing garments. And no wool shall come upon them, whilst they minister in the gates of the inner court and within. Verse 18. They shall have linen bonnets upon their heads, and shall have linen breeches on, upon their loins. All right, so these bonnets and breeches, remember, we are the bride of Christ. So it's kind of, we're, we're dressing up, we're ready for this wedding. We're at the wedding feast. That's what's going on. They shall not gird themselves with anything that causes sweat. Verse 19. And when they go forth into the outer court, or the outer court, even into the outer court of the people, they shall put off their garments wherein they ministered, and lay them in the holy chambers, or in the closets, storerooms, and they shall put on other garments. Now these, the, the robes of righteousness are to be displayed in front of God. But whenever you go out to those who have not made it, you don't wear those. And why not? And they shall not sanctify the people with their garments. They can't go out. Basically, those who are without haven't, haven't earned it yet, okay? So they don't need to, they need to keep their eye on not being deceived when Satan's loosed a short time. Verse 20. Neither shall they shave their heads nor suffer their locks to grow long. They shall only pull their heads. So they're not going to have any... Shaving their head was a sign of mourning. There's no mourning. And there's no reason to get to grow out long and everything. Just, uh, just staying clean trimmed. Neither shall any priest drink wine when they enter into the inner court. All right, 22. Now, this, this verse is a little tough because remember, we're in the spirit at this point. We're no longer in flesh bodies. We're in spiritual bodies. Verse 22. Neither shall they take for their wives a widow, nor her that is put away, but they shall take maidens of the seed of the house of Israel, or a widow that had a priest before. Okay, now, let's talk about that a minute. Naturally, in the Spirit, Christ said, they, they asked Christ, you know, there's this woman that had so many husbands, and when she dies, well, whose wife will she be? And he said, you err in not knowing that in heaven... We are as the angels. We do not give or take in marriage. So now how does this verse stand up in the millennium where we are in the spirit? So the word wives, neither shall they take wives for themselves, or take their wives. Take, okay, here we go. Neither shall they take for their wives. That word wives in the Hebrew is ishah. And what that means, it, it means wife or partner or helpmate. Now how did Christ send out the disciples? In pairs. God told Adam, you need a helpmate to till the garden, to, to work the soil. And what are we doing? That's what we're doing in this world. We're supposed to be sowing seeds. So two by two is the way you go out. They, they shall not take for their wives a widow. What is a widow? One whose husband has died. Just prior to the seventh trump, 
How many of these folks were married to the Antichrist, spiritually speaking? Nor her that is put away. Now, that's a divorcee. How many of them were spiritually married and then divorced from the Antichrist? Okay. But they shall take maidens of the seed of the house of Israel. Those are virgins. Those are those who were never seduced by the Antichrist. They were never beguiled and led into the apostasy. Or a widow that had a priest before. Now, who is our priest? Christ. We're widows because our priest has been slain. No, he rose and, and is seated at the right hand of God. We are called widows now. And that's why in many places they will say, well, I am not a widow. The, the beast, the, I mean the harlot in Revelation said, I am not, I'm not a widow, I'm a queen. Because she's right there just pulling in all the, I, the adulteries and idolatries of Satan. She's not a widow because she's married to him. Verse 23, And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. What are we going to be doing in the millennium? We're going to be teaching. We're going to be teaching God's law, the difference between holy and profane. And the thing is, we're going to be in spiritual bodies, so we're going to have 100% recall. So those that we are teaching are going to know God is holy. And that one that's in that bottomless pit, he is profane. The difference between unclean and clean. We know God's clean. And that is such a wickedly unclean joker in that, in that pit. 24. And in controversy they shall stand in judgment. And they shall judge it according to my judgments. And they shall keep my laws and my statutes in all mine assemblies. And they shall hollow my Sabbath. So what that's saying is basically the way that Moses was. He, he dealt with the people. He did God's will. He did his wishes. And he was leading the people. Although they would backslide and they would fuss and rumble and complain, he still led them. In the, in the millennium, the, 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 the Zadok, that's a tongue twister, the Zadok will lead and teach and guide and help those who did not receive that chance of salvation in this life to gain it in the second resurrection. Verse 25, And they shall come at no dead person to defile themselves. And what kind of dead? Spiritually dead, okay? We're all in the spirit. But for father or for mother or for son or for daughter, for brother or for sister that hath had no husband, they may defile themselves. So this does two things right there. A lot of people ask, will we know our loved ones when we get to heaven? Or are we just going to be up there and we're going to have to reunite and, and, and meet new people? That right there tells you we know everybody. Because if you don't know who your father is, how can you go to him? If you don't know your mother, your brother, your sister, how are you going to go to him? We will recognize everybody. It's paradise. That's why God can say that there are no tears. He wipe every tear away because we're going to be with our family. Now, a word on this teaching. Some people might say, well, they had their chance here on earth. Uh, it, it, let me rephrase. They had their chance here in the flesh. So then why are we teaching them in the millennium? Well, that's a little selfish to say that because who really receives the true, unadulterated, straight-on truth from the Word? And not only that, 
Let's just use round numbers here. Say Christ died in 30 A.D., 30 to 33 A.D. Okay. The gospel was being spread at that point. At the moment he was crucified and he was in the tomb, his body was in the tomb, he was in the gulf, on this other side of this gulf. He was in paradise. And he was given everyone the opportunity for salvation. Anyone all the way back to the time of Noah is what it says, which means all the way back to the beginning. He was allowing them the opportunity because why? The fairness in this is that all we have to do is accept Christ as our Savior. His blood was the one and for all time sacrifice that covers all of us. And it's so it it was tough. I mean, obviously the price of salvation was not free. It cost Christ life. But before he did that, those who were under the law had to sacrifice animals. And, and, and it was only good for so long. And then once you sinned again, you had to sacrifice another animal. And on and on and on and on. And so in all fairness, Christ went back to them, just as the rich man that, that had already passed away went to them and said, accept salvation, receive it. And they did. Okay, so my point being, if he did this, just say 30 A.D., what about 700 A.D.? What if there was a person on an island out in the middle of nowhere, a community in the middle of nowhere that just completely nobody could get to them and they never received the word of God, they never received the gospel? How is it fair? Because the, just because they were born there, that they should be condemned to hell. It's not. And God is the God of fairness. He don't want anybody to die. So then that's where in the millennium, it's our job to teach those who had never been taught before, who had never received a chance at salvation, to allow them to partake in that second resurrection. So let us go to back to Revelation chapter 20. We're going to move over there and we're going to finish this up. What happens towards the end of the millennium? After the teaching is done. After, after we've done all we can do to convince. Now this is where in Luke chapter 16 the man would say, I'm in my torments. I'm, the, the word for torments means a touchstone or a testing rock. So they're waiting, waiting over there to be tested, those who did not receive the first resurrection. We're going to go to 20, chap, uh, Revelation chapter 20 and pick it up in verse 7. We'll just, we'll just redo verse 7, catch up there, and take off again. All right. And verse 7 reads, And when the thousand years were expired, Satan was loosed out of his prison. Here he comes. He, he, still, just, uh, he still thinks he's going to win this thing. And shall go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the number of the, sea, of, of the sand of the sea. So, he's gone back out to see God is using him, just as he used the Assyrian. He, he called the Assyrian in Isaiah, he said, he is my axe, I'm using him. He's using Satan to see who still is going to fall again. You remember there were a third that were taken out. Revelation chapter 12. The dragon was cast down and his tail took a third of the stars. Took a third of the angels with him. They followed him in this rebellion. So who's going to follow again? Verse 9. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about. 
and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The last verse of Hebrews chapter 12 says, God is a consuming fire. God shows up and everything comes to a stop. And here's the thing, even if you're right in the middle of that fire that's coming down, if you're one of God's anointed, if you, if you love God, it's just going to be warming. It's going to be a warming comfort to your soul. But if you're, but as it says in 2 Peter, if, if they are one of the rudiments, the wicked, the elements, then they're gone. Turn to ashes from within. Verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, and the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, what does this tormented mean? For this, we need to go to Psalm 37. We're just going to catch a few verses in this. Psalms 37 is an acrostic psalm. That means there's kind of, in the Hebrew, the way that the, the stanzas align, such as you would have four lines in each paragraph, then you'd come across one that had three, okay? So the way that they line up gives us kind of an a encoded message, if you will. Psalms 37 and verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. So don't worry about these folks out here that are doing all this. Why not? So we're going to turn over now to the next uh, verse, and it's verse 20. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They, can, they shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. So that's talking about like, lambs roasting over a fire, that grease that, that falls off and hits the, the coals down there, and it goes, and it just, this, there, there it goes. It's gone. That's that lake of brims, the fire and brimstone. Verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. And what's that talking about? That's talking about this verse that we just read. We'll be in that town. And when Satan comes to, to try and lead this rebellion again, to try to destroy these saints, God comes down as this consuming fire, and they are blotted out forever and ever, just as smoke goes up. And that's what it's talking about. The false prophet and the beast shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. They're, they're, they're gone. They're smoke. It's out of here. And it's just drifting around. There's, there's no way that they can come back from that. All right, back over in Revelations chapter 20, and we're just going to continue on through the white throne judgment. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Now, remember, this is spiritually dead. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the, de the dead, the spiritually dead, those who did not receive the first resurrection were judged out of these, those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now, how did they do? How did they, how did they make it through this millennial period? Okay. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. What's the sea? We learn that in chapter 17 of this same book, the sea is the people. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. 
And see, the reason why they're judged by their works, we're judged on faith right now because we can't see Christ. They have seen Christ for a thousand years as he sat in his in his in the millennial kingdom in the palace. And they can see this. They know all things. And so naturally, they can't be judged on faith because you don't it's not faith if it's there. If it's faith is believing. And if it's right in front of you, you don't have to believe very hard. You can see it. Okay, that's what I'm trying to say. I'll get around to it here in a second. Verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Death and hell. That is Satan. That is all things evil. That is all things bad. And that's those who did not make it. Those who, when judged by their works, still could care less about God. Those who still wanted to follow Satan, they do. They follow him right into that, that pit. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And as I said from verse 37, I mean, excuse me, Psalms 37, they're like a lamb on a spit and that they, they just turns to smoke. Ezekiel chapter 18 tells us that Satan is turned to ashes from within, blotted out, never again to be to mess with anything. And naturally, after the great white throne judgment, a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. There, there's so much of a multitude that's going to be in the new heaven and the new earth. What is that? That is the third world age, if you will, okay? So you had the first. That's when Satan's rebellion happened. You have the one we're in now and then this new heaven and this new earth. The millennium is going to be a great time of learning, of teaching, of worship and praise. And at the end of that, I, I, I'm going to just bring one more verse. After the great white throne judgment, whenever, whenever God's fire comes down on that holy city, then, as it says in Ezekiel chapter 48, uh, verse 35, and the name of that city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Yahweh Shema. What a great day. The Lord's day is going to be such a great day for many. And for those who never received the opportunity or never had the opportunity to receive salvation, it's going to be such a great time for learning and such a great time for teaching. All right. I hope you enjoyed the study today. I, I know I certainly enjoyed doing the research and, and learning and, and preparing these studies. And I hope it answered some questions that maybe y'all had. And until next time, God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas 75691. Thank you, and God bless you.